no helicopters have been procured for me to go to golf course. Thank you. I'm never said he wasn't a great politician. I'm just saying he's a off. This must be the idea. How'd you play out there today? Uh, well, I found the conditions challenging. Mostly because there's no grass on the golf course. But there never has been. I'm thinking about the swag bag. I hope for the swag bag. When you got three crevices on the green, your course is trash. What is happening, folks? Welcome back to the Beltway Golfer Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Dixon. This is episode 62, our first podcast of the new year, 2023. Been a little while since I put out a podcast. Last one was just after Thanksgiving, so almost two months. But I'm going to ramp it back up here for 2023. Excited for a big year. Got a lot of guests I'm looking forward to and stories I'm, I'm looking forward to telling on the podcast this year. And one of the things I'm going to start doing on the podcast, which I'm going to start right now, since it's been a couple months since I put out a podcast, is to give some updates on what's going on in golf around the DMV and just things that are related to the industry and you know, and that the golfing public might be interested in in the Mid-Atlantic and, and before I get to the conversation. So I'll start by kind of the, the, the big local news here in Washington, D.C., is that the Rock Creek Park, the Rock Creek Park Golf Project is, is moving along. We're in a public scoping process right now. I encourage everybody to go to the National Links Trust podcast where I sat down with a co-founder, Mike McCartan, to talk about their entire proposal for the rehabilitation of Rock Creek Park's golf course and really dive into all the details of what they're proposing. They actually just hold a, held a public scoping meeting last week, which you can find. I tweeted out, a, tweeted out a link to it. It's at the National Park Service website. There's a link to it as well on National Links Trust's website. But you can kind of watch the, the, the public scoping meeting where, where members of the public and the community kind of ask questions about the project. There's a lot there. I encourage everybody to, to kind of check it out and to listen to the podcast. And, you know, I'm certainly excited for it. You know, we're, we're probably still a year and a half away from having renovated or a new clubhouse, I should say, and the driving range. And then another year after that. So probably not till the fall of 2025 before the new golf course, or I should say new golf courses. since it's going to be a two different nine hole golf course will finally be open for play. But it's exciting that these projects are officially, you know, really tangibly moving forward and starting to see some of that process with the National Park Service go forward. So that's exciting. This podcast that we're doing today, I have three guests on, which I'll tell you about in a minute, but I recorded it from the show floor at the PGA show conference down in Orlando, Florida, just last week. And so I'll tell you a little bit about the show. You know, I've been going for not, not super long. I think this is my fifth or sixth year going, skipped a year or two, somewhere in there. And each year I've been going, you can notice it getting a little bit smaller due to some just industry trends and the way that golf companies do business with, with courses and clubs and the professionals, I think, has changed. And you talk to some of the old timers and they say how it was you know, five, ten times the size of it 25, 30 years ago. But leading up to last year, because 2021 it was virtual, because of COVID, and then 2022, COVID was still obviously lingering. It was real small, like real small compared to years past. And so this year, it was definitely a lot bigger than last year, just not, you know, still, I think still will be a lot bigger in years to come. They do a demo day 
which is out of Orange County National, where club manufacturers and a lot of different companies can demonstrate their projects on this massive driving range in the round. You know, that definitely is not all the way back. seems like companies aren't necessarily investing in that all that much. Cobra had a big tent out there. They had some celebrities, some long drive hitters. Kyle Berkshire was out there signing autographs. They had a DJ. But not many other companies really kind of invested in that, so the vibe was a little bit down. But then they do two and a half days in the Orange County Convention Center, which is, you know, it's a big deal. You know, may, I don't know the numbers. I'm, this is anecdotally, but it feels like at the demo day there's maybe 50 or 60 companies, and then in the conference center there's like 700 or 800. It's just it's massive. And it's still smaller than it was in years past. But I had a lot of fun. I ran into all sorts of people, meet, meeting all sorts of companies. You know, the, the, the kind of biggest change that you constantly see every year that is growing is the golf simulator business. There's golf simulator companies, and that kind of section of the, of the conference just grows every year. Spent a bunch of time with, with a few, you know, was in the TrackMan booth, was in the high-definition golf booth for a while. Played a hole with a former podcast guest, Greg Pazinski, the, the the coach of George Mason. We ran into each other. We ran into each other at the at the Golf Zone booth, and we ended up playing a hole, kind of testing out their equipment. Golf Zone's got a real cool feature that I think is unique to them. I could be wrong, but where based on the geographical mapping of the courses that you're playing, you, it actually recreates the lie that you have. So you can have a side hill lie, uphill lie. You know, if you if you're playing Augusta National and you hit in in the fairway in 18, it's going to recreate that uphill lie up to your green, which I think is unique to them, which is pretty cool. But I spent some time at the Unicore booth. Unicore is the technology that's going into the brand new simulator business in in Arlington called Par City, which I'm excited about. So it's cool to kind of talk with them, learn a little bit more about the technology, but also just ran into tons of people. Met some new faces that I was excited about. Ran into to, to Tom Coyne in the, in, the, in the media center. Chat with him for a couple minutes. Out at that demo, demo day, I met the, the guys from the Chasing Scratch podcast. They were, they were cool. Ran into, I don't know, at least eight or ten former podcast guests of the Bellway Golfer. So, it, so it's, it's, you know, I still feel very much as an industry outsider, but, you know, that's becoming more of an insider, you know, inch by inch every year. And so it's fun to kind of see familiar faces at a show like this. So I'll, I'll continue to go and look forward to it next year. Other kind of news, want to shout out to, to Marcus Bird, Washington, D.C. area native. He was on, I, I interviewed him with, along with Leonard Long on episode six of the Nationalist Trust podcast. He grew up playing at Langston Golf Course. That's kind of where he learned how to play golf. In the first tee of Greater Washington D.C. when he was a youth, now plays on the APGA tour. And two things happened this week. One, he won the APGA event at Torrey Pines that was going alongside of and finished the day after the Farmers Insurance Open. But they're playing and get this wrong. But they're playing. Well, they're playing the opposite course of the pros, and then they, they and then they play the the tougher course on the on the final day. But Marcus Bird won, which got him into the Honda Classic. And then earlier in the week before that tournament started, Tiger Woods announced that Marcus Bird was chosen as the Charlie Sifford recipient to play in the Genesis Invitational. So big week for Marcus Bird. If you're not familiar with him, go listen to that podcast on NLT or give him a follow. But I'm uh, really excited for him. And, and you'll see a lot of local D.C. golf accounts, a lot of people kind of giving him some praise because it's a big week for him. We, we officially, you know, you're, whether regardless of your opinion on on live golf you know we've we now officially have a 
professional golf tournament coming to the Washington, D.C. area in 2023. It's at uh, Trump National, D.C. It's going to be Memorial Day weekend. It had been rumored for a while. It wasn't that great of a secret, but it became official this week that that Friday, Saturday, and Sunday of Memorial Day weekend, which will be interesting because there's generally a massive influx of people to Washington, D.C. Memorial Day weekend. Rolling Thunder comes into a town. So it'll be interesting to have a professional golf tournament or exhibition, depending on how you, how you live golf, out of Trump National. I typically leave town on Memorial Day weekend, which I am this year as well, but I think I'm going to be around that Friday. So I'll try to get press pass and, and go out to, 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 to experience my first live golf event. It should be interesting to see. But, it, you know, it's professional golf in Washington, D.C. area, so I think it's exciting, regardless of how you feel about it. Another thing I'm also excited about is an, another announcement from National Links Trust. This is about the 10th time I've mentioned them in this introduction. But they announced they're bringing back kind of their version of the old USGA Pub Links Championship, which East Potomac hosted back in the early part of the 20th century. I forget the year, but they're going to host at East Potomac a national championship for public access golfers. It's going to be the first week in October. There's going to be qualifiers all over the country. And I, I might have fact-checked this, but I believe, so it's public access. If you're a member of a private club, you, you're, you're essentially not qualified to, 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 to attempt to qualify for this championship or you're now not allowed to enter, and you got to be at least 25 years old. So if you, if you don't belong to a private course and you're at least 25, you can enter to try to win this public, public championship, which is, which is pretty cool. I'm excited for that. I don't have the skill set to qualify, but I'll be there in some form or fashion covering it and, and watching. So I, it's a great idea by NLT. I'm excited for it. Um, lastly, I'm going to do a kind of a pre-announcement. I haven't announced it on social media or anything yet, but save the date. Wednesday, June 7th, we're going to host a Beltway Golfer event out of Bretton Woods in Potomac, Maryland, way out River Road. That's going to be that afternoon, kind of a lunchtime start. Details are going to be finalized this week, but if you're listening to this, save the date, Wednesday afternoon, June 7th, out of Bretton Woods. We're going to have a big event. It's going to be fun. That's it. So let's get to the, uh, get to the podcast. Again, this was recorded from the show floor. So you can hear a little bit of the buzz in the background. It was late afternoon on Wednesday of the conference, kind of the first full day inside the convention center. But we got the head golf professional from Gibson Island Club, which is a gated island with today a nine-hole private golf club with a ton of history right on the Chesapeake Bay. But we've got their head golf pro, David Grossman, joining the podcast, followed by one of the co-founders of Super Speed Golf, which is an overswing training aid, Michael Napoleon, who actually just met him at the show the day before, and we talked for a while, and, you know, I had somebody actually drop out from being on the podcast, and he mentioned that he'd love to do the podcast. I said, how about tomorrow? And so he, just, so he was, it was cool. He jumped on, and we, we, we talked about his products, which are now used, you know, by all sorts of PGA Tour players kind of ubiquitous in tour golf, kind of this speed training aids, and they were one of the first. And then third, a younger gentleman named Tyler McDaniel. He's the sole founder of Tyler Golf Bags, customizable carry bags, now stand bags as well. But I I got to to meet Tyler and his dad, who's a golf professional at Claremont Country Club in Northern California last year, just by chance, sitting at a bar after one of the one of the show days in Orlando and we kind of hit it off and said the three of us were just kind of at the bar 
telling stories and, and, and having a lot of laughs. So it was cool to have Tyler back on and just kind of revisit that and see how his business is going. So it, it was a lot of fun. It was cool to kind of do something a little bit different, recording this literally on the show floor of like, you know, tons of people walking by. Had a lot of fun. But hope you enjoy the conversation here as we'll get started. So first off is David Grossman from the Gibson Island Club. Enjoy. All right, we're going to start with the Mr. David Grossman. How are you, sir? I'm good. Thank you for having me. It's a real treat. I'm excited to speak with you. So you are the, and correct me anywhere that I'm wrong here. All right, let's you, do this. Yep. You're the head golf professional at Gibson Island Club. That is correct. So one of the reasons, so I'm going to get, let me, let me get this out of the way real quick. I have not played Gibson Island. Okay. It's on my bucket list, and I hope to solve that at some point, but I haven't played it yet. So um, some of the questions are, are more from things I've read, things I've heard, things I've seen maybe online about Gibson Island. But one of the reasons I reached out to you was that just a, a month or so ago, you were awarded by the Mid-Atlantic PGA section as the Merchandiser of the Year for 2022. Do I have it right? Yes, about, that's for, right. In the private, private club section? Correct. That's excellent. So, congratulations. Thank you very much. It's, uh, it's an award that um, means a lot to me. You just have, all my mentors are great merchandisers, and many of them had won it. So, you know, within the section, there's maybe a dozen annual awards. It was the one that I always wanted to get. So, yeah. uh, this has kind of a, a been a fun week to be at the PGA show, see my name in a couple places, and, and really enjoy the, the, the professional recognition. It's pretty cool. So, uh, I would imagine, you know, a lot of certainly listeners to my show, they might not be super familiar with even that award so like what go, like how does like what does the mid-atlantic pga look at when they're looking at the merchandiser of the year like what goes into that so a group of peers will nominate you um, and then that will begin an application process where you may fill out some questionnaires and provide images or accounting information that kind of gives people an insight into how the business is run yeah. um, and they give you me the opportunity to kind of tell the story a little bit uh, so i talk about the logo a lot we talk about how we do tons of team training and mentoring um, how to get the staff involved um, a little bit of how I even approach the PGA show. So, uh, you know, they go through it, and then a, a panel of previous award winners select, um, and they were kind enough to pick me this year. Got it. So you've been at Gibson Island how many years? This is year seven starting, so finish year six, um, right around the corner. We're going to be hitting balls. How did you uh, How did you find yourself at Gibson Island? Club? Very uniquely, um, through a friend who had recommended um, to replace a, a retiring professional who had been there for 34 years. His name was Don Skakin. Um, Don's a long-time you know, just a legend of the club, a uh, great part of the character and, and the personality of the place. Um, and then just through some back channels, somebody asked if I had ever been interested in Gibson Island, and I never heard of it. Uh, oh, really? You know, I worked at, in D.C., and, you know, you'd think, and maybe, you know, but, uh, you know, I had to look it up, and I really had to kind of get into the research. Um, and then I went down, and I spent the day there, and they kind of said, you know, it's, it's different, so can you see yourself doing something different? Um, and that's kind of where we went. So you were already a pro somewhere else. Where, yes. where were you before that? Country Club of York in Pennsylvania. And then before that, I was in Washington, D.C., in a nice private club uh, at Chevy Chase. And then um, before that, I kind of bounced back and forth between New Jersey and Florida. Interesting. So that, I mean, that goes to a lot of kind of the mystique of Gibson yes. Island Club, that you were a pro at multiple clubs before that and weren't even, I didn't was even laughing when you say that. You implied perfectly that, you know, it's kind of an under-the-radar, it's got a little story. I, I can't say how many times I say different when I describe the place. So, yeah, it's uh, definitely a little quiet little club, um, just sort of really cool piece of land. So, I mean, one of the reasons that it's becoming more well-known for, I think, I think there's two big reasons. One, as golden age golf architecture has become 
Uh, there's been more and more attention to it in the last five, 10, maybe 20 years. Absolutely. Um, and it was designed by Charles Blair McDonald and Seth Rayner, correct? Yes, that is correct. So that's one big piece, and we can get into maybe a little bit of like the, 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 the how it was formerly 18 holes, and now it's now it's nine. But the other piece of it is, it's got you know, one of the great logos in golf. It's one of the best, um, and that's been a big reason that uh, that the, our merchandise concession does very well, um, and it kind of fits to the, the community nature of the club. Uh, it's very much almost like a resort, a private resort at sometimes, um, and. You know, but people are there and they spend the day there and they're at the pool and we put that logo on just about anything and people are going to like it. So, uh, do you know? Is there anything you can share? Because I don't yeah. know, like what the history of the logo is. So like, it's a crabbing boat or an oyster boat. Okay. Uh, so the old skipjack sailboats that they used to use out on the flats. So in the morning, even now at Gibson Island, you know, we'll see the the oyster guys and the crab guys kind of work in the water. And you know, today boats today's boats are a little more modern than, than this one. But it, yeah, it's designed to be a sailboat that uh, represents the community. Very cool. Um, so has that been the logo like forever? Pretty much so. Um, within the club, there there are some other you know uh, our other big one is uh, our yacht club part of our business. Uh, so there's a full service yacht club at the club. They have a, a burgee, so they got a nautical flag, okay. um, and they kind of uh, really push that and really have a ton of pride in, in what the, the Gibson Island Yacht Squadron is. So they have a great logo too. Uh, but our club logo is wonderful, uh, and we really just try to focus on it, keep it nice and clean, and let it sell itself. So we're going to get into the, into the show here in, in a minute, but while we go a little bit, you know, so, some folks I'm sure listening to this uh, maybe don't know much about Gibson Island Club at all. I know I only really started learning about really the history of it in, in, in recent months or the last couple of years. So it used to be, it's a nine hole course today, but at one time it was 18 holes. Yeah, so McDonald and Rayner, uh, working with the Olmstead brothers who are master city planners, they laid out a 36 hole facility, which we have the drawings for. One golf course was built and opened by Rayner and opened in Memorial Day weekend of 1924. Um, and then not long after, there were some financial issues with the island and the Depression era, and they decided to just keep nine holes. So they kind of left these holes, let nature grow in around them. Um, it's pretty dense forest. It's rather unique to go back there. You can find some of the, the greens and some of the tea boxes, so you can see a little bit of the history. There's not like houses on There's not, but it's just a protected forestry. Um, so it's a very special natural protection. Um, but the interesting thing about the holes that were lost are for the those that are you know McRainer fans, that those were the real template holes. So when you talk McDonald and Rainer, you need to talk templates. Um, and that's where the the magical holes that we think once existed. Uh, we have a few templates on our nine hole course now. Uh, we're hoping to see some more come back soon with some work, uh, which we're excited about. But um, yeah, just a very unique story. Uh, but the, when I really look at the 36 hole facility, that's the one that gets me creatively thinking about what it could have been. The, so the other 18 that was never built, is that now part of the community or is that also on open land? That is uh, a little more residential, okay. um, but pretty much all that land's off limits. So Got it. Uh, we are, we're working with an, a fun little nine hole place. The members have two sets of tees out there so they can play a different routing uh, to make sure that they don't get the same shots into the greens. Fair amount of actual 18 hole play. So people are out there to, to play. Very fun. cool. And so, because I've seen, I know, I know, I follow, uh, I follow Lester George on yes. some of the social media, and he was posting over the last year or so. He's been doing some of the work on that you that you kind of referred to. Yes. Yeah, so Lester helped us uh, with his company, George Golf Design. They, um, we wanted to begin the process for you know what, what would it take for us to do coursework, big coursework, 
Um, so Lester worked with our, our club to, uh, friend, especially again for the McDonald Rainer fans, to bring back a Redan template hole. Um, so we had a, a unique hole that was on the golf course that was kind of from where the course cut off before. Yeah. So we kind of had a green that was in the wrong angle, um, and Lester came in and cleaned it up and put a, a masterpiece hole in it. Interesting. Because of this, um, I mean, I say it's in recent years, but it's been going on for a while now, this kind of resurgence of, of interest in, in golden age golf architecture. Are you seeing, like, how do you, how do you see the impact of that? Do you see more people trying to get invites out there? Um, I, I would say that, you know, the, it's nice to be able to talk history. We'll put it yeah. that way. You know, it's a great narrative when I can start a tournament and say, hey, this is why we're here today. And this happened because McDonald and Rainer and this happened way back when. And we tied into the junior programs and the merchandise concession. And, you know, it's really nice to have that narrative behind everything. Um, but you definitely, like when I'm at the club and, you know, when we have guests that come out, uh, many a days we're out there talking architecture. Yeah. You know, people want to talk about it. They want to get into it. Um, and, and the fact that it's been hiding in, in Arundel County for a long time, you know. Right. It's a little sleeper. Yeah. Uh, it was interesting. I, so, so two things. So one, and to bring up the Golfer's Journal, um, the golfer, Tom Coyne did a piece on Gibson Island Club. I'm not sure how long ago it was, but I, I reread it last night. About two years ago. Uh, it was that long ago. Oh, wow. Okay. So I reread it last night. Uh, and what was interesting about it was Tom Coyne, who's like this really traveled golf writer, he had never heard of it, like before he got there. <laughs> so Tom's been very gracious to us. He wrote a great piece uh, I believe called Home is a Sailor. Uh, just an appropriately named or titled piece. You know, he's a, he's a magical writer, and it, it was cool to have him um, really take a lot of initiative in, in writing that article. Um, Tom's also come to the club to speak at night to promote one oh, of his cool. books, uh, and he's been really wonderful, really a lot of fun to have. And the other reason I brought Golfer's Journal up is I saw that they announced that they're going to have one of their events at the club in October? October, yes. Got it. So we've been working with them. And, you know, beginning with Tom, he, he kind of started the relationship. Um, and with the work that we had to do the course last year, we kind of had to take an off year. Uh, so we've been looking at this year with all nine holes open. Let's have, let's have a great day, bring them out, and really showcase the club. Very cool. Uh, last question on the club. Is the club is the membership? Is it one? Is like is it just residents of the island of Gibson Island, or does the membership extend beyond that? The membership is is greater than the island. So uh, the there's about 195 homes on the island, um, and then another most almost all, but not most. Sorry, almost all of those people are members, but not everybody is. Got it. Um, it's a different business that they would have to kind of go through the, the steps for. Um, and then we have another two thirds of our membership is is really commuting in. Uh, coming in for the weekend, staying a long week, summer rental. Yeah. Um, so that's where it kind of picks up that uh, we are a local club, a full-time residence, but then a lot of influx of people coming in for the weekend and the weeks. So we're just going to have a good time. Yeah. So how many how many years have you been coming to this, this show? Well, the PGA show for me, about 10 to 12 years probably. Okay. Um, so you've seen, I've only been coming, this is like my fourth or fifth time. I think my first year was maybe 2015, 2016, I can't remember. But even in my in that time, I've seen a lot of changes here. You know, in what you know, even ten years ago, how different was this show? You know, um, I guess it depends on what you're here to educate yourself on or buy. Um, definitely, you know, just looking around today, I'd say you know, there's a lot more technology stuff still pumping out. Yeah. Uh, with more flights or in-home launch monitor systems and simulators and all that. I mean, it's it's definitely you can feel the different areas. Uh, there's maybe a little less from the some of the equipment vendors. 
Um, they, they you know, for over the years, some have taken a pass on a, on a couple of years. Um, but for me, you know, like my big thing is I just try to find a couple things I knew I wouldn't find anywhere else. Because I'm, if I'm here, I'm on my feet. I can see it. I can test it. Um, and then really to network and social and, and say hi to people that you've, you know you've built relationships with for the last 15 years. Are you placing orders at a show like this? I'll do some. Um, I always try to make sure that I, I find either a new junior line or a new women's line that I like. There, there's an order in already. Um, most of my annual business is ordered before this point. Um, being close to 95 has its perks. The reps will come to us, but you know there are some people that you know they they do need to come here from somewhere else around the world or the country to finally have the ability to buy something. So yeah. Um, but you can definitely also, you know, all the new products, it's, it's different countries are here. I mean, this is a, it's a trade show. Yeah. So, you know, going, I, I was looking, there, there, was a, there was a checklist I was kind of looking on the, on the Mid-Atlantic PGA website, and there, there was a couple things I wanted to pull it up here on how they describe the qualifications for that award, the merchandise of the year. But there was a couple things that I, I wanted to per, uh, point out. Merchandising philosophy and merchandising techniques. From someone from the outside looking at pro shops, you know, it, 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 it kind of seems like they never, a lot of pro shops are similar. Is that not the case? I mean, do you, do you have truly like unique merchandising techniques? You know, I think that we're having fun with it. And yeah. what I don't want is for the, our members and guests that come in to not be able to find anything. So let's yeah. say from a philosophy standpoint, um, we choose to have a higher inventory than maybe a, a business model would state. Because we want people to come in and almost be like, I have to get something. Right? Um, there is a seasonal part of you know, running a business at Gibson Island that you know in the winter, um, you know, I don't need as much, but I still need to have it. Uh, so there's some philosophy there. Now on technique, yeah, there's there's little tricks. And even if you know if I go into any department store, whether it's Nordstrom's or I'm always looking around to see what they're doing, right? Sure. Um, and kind of picking up little notes here and there. Going to other clubs, visiting really good golf shops nationally, you know, taking a couple pictures and following a few Instagram accounts, really, and, yeah. and learning how to, as we call it, paper fold. So there's, there are folding techniques, um, great ways to, you know, really take care of it, make sure that when it sits on the table, it looks better longer. Um, and there's, there's some strategy there. Uh, you want to have great displays visually. Um, somebody taught me years ago, you either want to make it the nicest thing in the room or the worst thing in the room, but somebody's got to have a thought about it, right? So if you're not moving it around every day, uh, using yeah. mannequins appropriately, so there, there's tricks to, you know, make it pop, but you want to have fun too. Um, whether it's for sporting ideas or um, or themed holiday weekends, you know, like John are your members giving you ideas? Like when they know they know that you're coming down to the show and you're going to see all these vendors, they're like, hey, you know, I, I saw this, you know, whatever. Well, I'll always take a good idea. I'll put it that way. So you know, hey, sometimes people will come and say, you know, you really need to take a look at, and I'll, I'll go do, figure out the business side of it and say, you know, maybe it's not the best move for us, but um, I'll always take great, you know, recommendations and. But I, you know, again, coming down here, I'm always trying to what what won't I find if I stay home and, and don't do this with you know with a group of professionals. So. Are there um, are there any 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 brands or companies that you work with that have been real successful in your shop that uh, that are maybe here or maybe that you only put in your shop in the last few years that have, that have done well? Yeah, you know, and that's what I'm always trying to find those those good little ones, uh, especially for the uh, women's and juniors. Uh, a bunch, but I always try to find a new one every year and, and get people to think that the golf shop at Gibson Island is not a golf store. It's a it's, it's a true retail boutique. Um, so things like women's dresses have done very well, scarves, uh, certain junior items, um, and then if, you know if they're successful for me and we keep reordering, I'll start to people pick that up and you know the pros from the other clubs are like, hey, what's that line you got down there that all my members are buying from you? Yeah. I'm like here you go, here you go. So we we have definitely have those. Um, 
but uh, it's all good. Yeah. See anything? Uh, I'll, I'll let you go here in a second. I, I see anything at, at this year's show that kind of jumped out at oh, you or any, any brand that you Aside from the pickleball court down there, that was pretty interesting to see. I was, um, I was, <laughs> does Gibson Island have pickleball? Have you guys? We do have pickleball. Okay. There's one around the corner and that, that got me laughing. Uh, the winners this year, um, I found a good candle company, um, some good junior stuff, good women's line. Um, again, I try to find a lot of gift items. So Signs by the Sea has always been a big one for us over the years. Um, you know, uh, but I'm really not looking for clothing, I'm just looking for good ideas. Yeah. Do you sell clubs in your shop? We do. You do, okay. But on the percentages, I mean, my store uh, does less, but we do, you know, uh, we do more in soft goods than, than the average club. Got so, it. Well, there's the equipment side, hard goods, and then there's the clothing side. Our, our clothing business is very stout. Does, because it's such, it's, you know, such a kind of an iconic logo, and it's certainly, the, the Gibson Island Club logo is popular amongst the, I don't know if it's like it's like the Instagram crowd, but it kind of is. It does. Like, do you can you sell it? Do you sell it online? Like, do you sell it, or does someone have to actually go to the pro shop on Gibson Island to actually buy something with that logo on? I don't know how I'm supposed to answer this question. <laughs> but uh, most of our business is members buying for their families or friends, or, and then their guests coming in. Um, we do have some e-commerce options, but that's kind of run through our membership, so it's internal. Uh, we're really not doing much off the street business. And that's one of the unique things about having a retail store at a private club is you don't have necessarily walk-in traffic. You know, your, your, your whole core base is just your however many hundred members you have. Yeah. Very cool. Well, listen, congratulations very, very much, much on your award for the Mid-Atlantic PGA, the Merchandiser of the Year 2022, in the uh, private club uh, category. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll be out there in the Golfer's Journal event, but I, 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 hope, to, I hope to play Gibson. We'll have to soon. stay in touch. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Dave. Thank Thanks for joining us. Michael Napoleon, you are the, the, the founder of Super Speed Golf. Do I have that right? That's correct. Are you a sole founder? Or you have a, a no. So, um, business partner of mine, we found it together. Kyle Shea. So, a little history on that. We actually ran a golf academy business in the Chicago area for about ten years. Really, the goal there was putting like tour level teams around amateur golfers. So okay. we had, you know, golf coaches. That was kind of my area, and and I ran that team equipment fitters, fitness professionals, rehab specialists, nutritionists, I mean, all of it. Like, we're going to, we're going to make you, we're going to treat you like a tour player, make sure that and your you game is at that for like that up and coming pro. We would package that for your country club golfer that just oh, wants right. to win more money on the weekend. And in that market, man, there were a lot of them. Like, honestly, like you offer a product that offers people real results. I mean, real results that are accountable, that you can measure and you can show the metrics on the various different things they're getting better about their game their handicap goes down my opinion you can charge whatever you want for that in the golf world what was what was your so that business doesn't exist anymore right so, I, I sold it okay. so that, that business is still running uh, okay. one of the guys that coached for us there is named Marty Evans still runs that business in okay. Chicago so catalyst golf performance but yeah we uh, I got by the, so I, was, yeah. I, was, I was gonna ask like what the pricing model for that was. Charge, if you're able to share them. We charge 16 grand a year for the program. And and the difference between that and like your normal golf lesson program is that if somebody called and wanted a golf lesson, I told them that's not what we did. We don't teach golf lessons. They're like, well, I thought you were a golf academy. I'm like, well, we are, but until I know a lot about what's going on in your game and your body and your swing and your equipment and everything, I'm not gonna be able to make an educated, you know, program that's gonna help you get better. So we always started that with a large intake 
an assessment process that looked at all of those different areas so that we could very specifically say, no, you need a golf lesson a week. You need team coaching with these players to do competitive you know, practice and different types yeah. of things like that. You need three days a week in the gym. You need... We, we were the experts. We were recommending what that program looked like. So what that team comprised of might be different from client to client. Every client needed something different. One guy might need a whole lot of golf instruction because they had no clue what they were doing. Yeah. You know, the next guy might have a really good concept of what they're trying to do and their body wouldn't let them do it. So we had the people to help all those different areas. And, and a that, good percentage of that client base was not was, was not professionals or, or, or people are trying to be professionals? Absolutely. I would say 95% of that was amateur golfers that... I mean, look, you start to look at your business executives and your guys that are members in high-end country clubs and things. I mean, these guys take their golf game pretty damn seriously. I mean, they don't, I mean you're in the D.C. area, right? I mean, I lived in D.C. for a while. I was a member at Lakewood Country Club. Um, I can tell you flat out that, you know, our inner club master gets congressional. Like, we weren't leaving anything on the table. We were pretty serious. Like, people wanted to win. And they're going to do a lot what it takes. And a lot of those people have enough time to really put that kind of effort into their game. We're going to come back to that. We'll circle back to your time in, in, in the DC area towards the end. But so so how, so continue on. How did you how did you how did you launch Superspeed? Yeah. So in that type of an environment where we had really smart professionals in a lot of different areas, I mean it was like a think tank that we were trying to come up with the most innovative ways to you know coach players and help them get better. And we were looking for different tra- types of training science, training techniques that were going to get the most bang for our buck. Plus, we had all the great technology, all the greatest technology you can imagine. You know, all the different 3D motion capture systems and yeah. launch monitors and all the stuff that we needed to know what was actually going on, yeah. you know, when we were doing this training. So, we actually, we saw a presentation by uh, Dr. Tom House at a TPI function, a World Golf Fitness Summit, um, where he was talking about what he was doing with Major League Baseball pitchers and NFL quarterbacks using different weighted throwing implements to help increase arm speed and help these players increase how fast they can throw a ball or throw a football. Um, we looked at that and then took it back to our academy, spent about two years um, really looking at what we needed to do to adapt that type of training, um, which at that time was called overload-underload training, okay. and adapt that type of training for swinging sports like golf. And that just involved really making sure that we had the right types of weight differentials of the clubs that we were using relative to the player's driver to optimize that training. I'm thinking, I've never done any of this training. I've, 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 uh, truth be told, I've never, I've, I think I've swung one of your products a few times, but I've never really done any work with it. Well, I mean, would you like to hit the ball further? Oh, of, of course I would. I, do, I, I need to hit the ball Do further. you have, like, 45 minutes a week that you'd be willing to dedicate to hitting the ball 20 yards further off the tee? I think I could set aside 45 minutes a week for that. Okay. Well, I'm not sure why you haven't started doing it yet. It doesn't make any sense. Well, well, that's fair. Well, where I was going with this was, like, when I think about this, at the most basic level, because it's not a training program, but literally, like, playing baseball. You know, I played some baseball, you know, growing up as a teenager, uh, and swinging two bats before you get in the batter's box. Yeah. And it's just it's just more more weight. Uh, swing as hard as you can, and then you get up there, and it feels light of the feather, and... All right, so actually that's exactly the opposite of what we do. All right, never mind. All right, completely the opposite and doesn't work. So the science on that is this. That so doesn't work? Not at all. So okay. there's actually a great study done with, like, collegiate baseball players where they used, like, a 30% heavier donut on the bat to do a warm-up. Okay. And when they got into the batter's box, the first swing out of the gate was on average 25% slower than their normal bat speed. 
And that's actually the exact problem that I think was out there before we came along, is that people didn't understand how our brain connected to our body. Why, yeah, why okay? is that? What is so the... here's the thing, this, and this is why we call it overspeed training now, because we think that's much more descriptive of the actual science that's going on in the body. So every motion that we know how to do lives in our brain as a motor program. When we step on the first tee, our brain selects that motor program, and we pull the trigger. Now your brain has an expectation of how fast your body's gonna respond in that given process, okay? So what overspeed training does is like the opposite of a donut. We're actually gonna start with a club that's lighter than your driver, just enough that your brain still selects the same motor program, but your the lessened resistance allows your body to move faster. So like for example, when you use our green club in our super speed set, you can swing that about 19 to 20% faster than what you can swing your driver. So if you're at 100 miles an hour, you get this green club in your hand, you can swing it like 120 miles an hour. Okay. In just a handful of swings, your brain starts to expect your body to respond at 120 miles an hour. So then we shock the system, we add some resistance back by going to a club that's a little bit heavier, and, you know, and then we're still going to see the brain trying to get this faster response out of the body. You usually see about 115 to 116. Then we're going to give you a club that's even slightly heavier than the driver, not nearly as much as like that big donut, but you know, about 5% heavier. We'll still see that player swing about 10 to 12% faster than their normal golf swing or overspeed of everything they were doing before. And over time, that training process permanently changes you know, the actual speed of your golf swing into something that when we put the skill elements back in and we actually hit a ball, usually averages out to about five and a half percent faster than what you were doing before. The only word I'm skeptical skeptical of is the permanently. Yeah. I say permanently. No, I, mean, I mean, you have to keep it up, don't you? So you will see that jump in speed of 5% the very first time you do this training. I mean, literally, the first time you do this training, if you measure your speed before the session and after, you'll see a 5% jump. Over the course of the next six to eight weeks, what you would see is the starting speed you'd have will gradually creep up, and the jump speed's not going to really go any higher. So you see this, like, period of normalization where after that eight-week period, the starting speed's the same as the after speed, and you kind of reach your fat first little plateau phase of the training. But that's really what we're looking at. It takes about six to eight weeks to create permanency. Um, after that point, you know, we go into what we would call a maintenance phase of the training where we can reduce the frequency. Instead of doing it three days a week, we can reduce it down to about one day a week, and you'll maintain 100% of those gains at that point, even with that lessened training. Wow. There's a lot of, there's a lot of truth to all of this because your business is doing quite well, and you've got how many tour players that are, that are using this? I mean, we stopped counting at, at a point a few years ago when we got over like 1,000 that had active programs going. But, yeah, I mean... A thousand I, I, professional I would, I would golfers. I we've had two thirds of the active tour players in the world. They're either actively working with a program with our products, or have in the last few years. So this is—it's not really just become a device that these players use. This has become a segment of their training that didn't exist before. Like if you ask players ten years ago if they had a specific speed training regimen, they didn't, and now all of them have a speed training regimen. It's separate than the mechanical work they're doing or the physical work they're doing. It's its own lane now. And, wow. and I think that's a really cool thing that you know, we've helped bring to the industry. And you said you started, so you started your company, you said 2014? Yeah, so Super Speed Golf started in the fall of 2014. And when did, when did you really get, start getting traction on, on like the professional level? You know, we had players working with it even before we launched. So there have been 
we work really closely with TPI, and a lot of the players that have worked through TPI were doing some of that training. Um, we started to see a lot of them that were doing it but not talking about it. You know, one of the big kind of breakthrough moments is we actually had a, a Billy Horschel bought a set on the website, and then about two weeks later posted a video of him doing the training in his basement uh, on social media, and that was fantastic. And we sent him a nice little note and thanked him and sent him a couple sets for the road. And he's been a, a you know big proponent of the system for a long time, which has That's been really cool. cool. So, so part of what you, you, you guys sell, like essentially the, the hardware, you know, the, the clubs, for the, but you also sell like a training program as part of it. Kind of so of our, our model at Super Speed Golf, number one, has been to keep things as stupid simple as we possibly can so that people can get benefit out of our products. But what we've always, just, you know, the, the formula that we use with everything that we've sold is we have a physical product that you're gonna to need to use. We have a very specific training program that gives you step-by-step -step instructions of how to use the product. And we have a very specific result that you can expect to get when you start doing one of these programs. And that formula in the training aid space, I would say is rare. You know, there's not a lot that, that will do all of those different pieces and have a really clearly expected result. Yeah. So I think that's been a big piece that's helped us, you know, for the years that, that, that we've been really pushing all of our, our speed training products. But for the consumers out there, is that, I mean, is that, I mean, it's optional, right? You, you, can, you can buy the full program with the training program? It's all free. Oh, that's all that just comes So with. when you buy the program, we, we consider all that training content why would you buy a product that you don't know how to use? Sure. It doesn't make any sense. Like that's how most products are. <laughs> well, I mean, we do things differently. I don't know no, what I can cool. say. That's, I was that's, like, that's we, we just we we we've thought that there's been problems in that sense. But I mean, as a coach who's hugely into the whole motor learning concepts and all of that, like if I'm going to give somebody a program, I'm only giving them that program or that training product or whatever it is because they there's a performance deficit that I'm trying to fix. I'm not just doing it because. I'd made it up or I decided it was something good for you to do. Like yeah. there's going to be, and this goes back to our academy business too. If you're getting a drill from us, it's because there's a specific performance deficit that that drill is going to make better. And we're going to be able to tell if the drill made it better and test where that result is. And we need to have that accountability. I think we all should have that accountability as coaches or, you know, companies that are doing training products or we're really not helping the people we're trying to help. We're just selling them things. Yeah. When you're buying super speed golf, you're not just buying a product or a training program. You're buying 20 more yards off the tee and we're there to support you the whole long, all along the way so that you can get that 20 yards off the tee because that's what you really want. For consumers that are looking to, 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 to get into your program, get into your products, Correct me if I'm wrong, but you, I mean you're in, you're in some big retailers now, right? Absolutely. I mean you're, you can be found in some of the big big box golf retailers. Mm -hmm. I mean we're pretty much everywhere yeah. at this point. I mean we have, I mean we have club accounts at, at probably your local pro shop at your golf course. We're in Dick Sporting Goods, Golf Galaxy, PGA Tour Superstore, all your worldwide golf shops, and you can you know get those things directly from us at our website superspeedgolf.com as well. So everything is really. We're trying to make it available because there's a lot of people out there that want 20 yards off the tee, and you know it's on our benefit, obviously, to help them find it. I've noticed, and this is probably a compliment as much as anything with any business when you're successful. That, but there, you know, there's, a, there's at least one or two. I don't know if you call. Them. We have some competitors now. Yeah. Are, the there, other, are, there, are there differences between? There's all other the systems that are out there that have maybe tweaked one thing here or there, or made their systems more customizable, or different things like that. I can tell you this though, I mean, 
we do more research and data collection than probably anyone on the planet when it comes to our products. And I can tell you definitively, if we could find a way to make what we're doing better, it would have already been released. And, and that's kind of the thing. Like, yes, there's been some slightly altered versions of different overspeed training systems coming out. And that just tells me that overspeed training works. And there can be slight alterations. It's still going to work. But we think, and, and we've kind of shown with all the research we've done, that our programs and our protocols are still the most efficient way you know, to get faster in, in your golf swing. And they're definitely going to be, you know, the easiest to use, which has really been our goal from, from the start. I should have asked this earlier, but, like, one of the things I think about when I'm, when, because, I, again, I, I would probably be able to answer this more if I'd actually use, use your product a, a bunch. But, like, when I think of, of, of trying to gain speed, especially through a tool like that, you know, my, my concern, and this comes from, again, this comes from a place of not knowing, but my concern is that it's going to mess with my swing. Yep. Like, sure. when people have that concern, what, what do you say? So I would say this, like the golf swing is one of the most athletic motions in all of sport. It doesn't take long to, you know, it's a short motion and it's extremely powerful. I think one of the things that many golf coaches get wrong is they try to focus too much on the detailed mechanics and positions of the swing and forget that it's that powerful athletic motion. So one of the things that we find with our products is that it helps people make a more complete athletic golf swing. We see as they're doing the different drills in our protocols, they become more efficient with the way they swing the golf club. And honestly, I'll share a study that we just did last year that uh, Tyler Standifer did out in Utah. He's a biomechanics professor that does a lot of research, um, you know, independently, but with our products. And it was an on-course performance study where he actually had players play 10 rounds of golf and geotag with shot scope every single shot that they hit on the golf course. Then we had those players go through a six-week speed training protocol, which is our level one training protocol, super speed, go back out on the golf course and geotag another 10 full golf rounds. Okay? Interesting results on this. We saw a 5% increase in distance when we looked at their drives, which is what we would expect. We see that across the board now with thousands and thousands of data points. What we didn't necessarily guarantee to see, even though we theorized that we were going to see this because of an increase in efficiency in those golf swings, an increase in athleticism, is we saw those players' accuracy off the tee increase by over 10%. So not only are those players hitting it further, they're hitting it a lot straighter, they're hitting less shots into penalty areas, they're hitting less shots into the rough, and then, as you might expect with those numbers, we saw their average score per round go down by an average of 2.7 shots. So that's real data. That's a real independent university level study. And what I think is really cool about that is that kind of proves some of the things we've been saying for a long time is that when golfers get out of their own way and they learn to be more efficient and more athletic with their golf swing, good things happen. And those good things include hitting it further. Those good things include hitting in the fairway more. And those good things include scoring better. Tell us a little bit about, so yesterday, we met yesterday out at the uh, at the demo day here at the PGA show, and I tried your newest product, yep. um, which, was, which is really about all about grip strength. Yeah, so the Super Speed Squeeze, okay. kind of proud of that name. I think it's very descriptive of what the product does. Um, we launched that back in December. Um, the Super Speed Squeeze is all about helping players increase their grip strength, basically their hand, finger, and, arm, and, and forearm strength. We did that because we collect a lot of data on our players back in the academy days. And we have a lot of data through TPI with everybody that's out on tour. And the gap 
between what we see on professional tours as far as how much grip strength those players can produce and how much grip strength amateur players can produce is maybe one of the hugest differentials in any metric we've measured in the game of golf. So it's a huge deal. And having enough grip strength allows you to do a lot of things. Well, speed and power aside, I mean, that's definitely a piece of it. But really, it's just about being able to control the club during the golf swing. If you don't have enough grip strength, you have to use nearly 100% of the capacity of grip strength you do have in order to control the golf club. That's going to feel like death grip in the golf club. That's going to limit your range of motion in your wrists and hands. It's going to cause a whole lot of things that aren't going to be good for your golf game. Whereas we see those high-level players maybe using 55 60% of their capacity of grip strength in the golf swing dynamically, which is, I, I would say, in some ways more ideal to allowing them to do a lot of good things in their golf swing. So, yeah, it's a, it's a big thing. I don't think it's talked about at all. I don't think many golf coaches measured or even know it could be a problem for players. Yeah. I think it's a solid epidemic in the world of amateur golf that players do not have enough grip strength to control the golf club the way they want to. I was just recently, just last week, out at, um, at a peak golf fitness in, in Rockville, Maryland. Uh, shout out to the owner, uh, Jason, there. Who, who, he told me a stat about grip strength, which is like you, you hear the stat about um, you know really good golfers, they, they grip the club like 80% of their full uh, grip strength. But he said, but professional golfers have grip strength that is, I forget what the number was, but it was like it was like 30 to 40% higher than the average yeah. person. So their 80% is still higher than the average well, person. We actually see it's less than 80%. So oh, like no, really? on average on PGA Tour, we're really more around 55 to 60% of capacity. The problem is, is they have so much more, as you say, the amateur golfer can't use 50% of their capacity or literally the club's flying out into the range. Like, they can't. Like they wouldn't create enough friction on the grip to hold onto the golf club. Yeah. So they have to use 75, 80, 90 percent of their capacity just to hold onto the club. And and that that's where we start to run into the issue because as a golf coach, I would love for every one of my players to feel like they're using light grip pressure and not death gripping the club and allowing full range of motion in their hands and wrists and arms. But again, I can't tell that to everybody because a, a large portion of those people physically can't do that. Uh, very cool. And so the, the, the super, what's the name again? Super, super Speed Squeeze. Super Speed Squeeze. So that's got a training protocol just like all of our other products okay. that is specifically designed to help players improve their grip strength. And you can buy that like direct to consumer on your website? Absolutely. What's your website? Superspeedgolf.com. Superspeedgolf.com. Um, before I get you get let you get out of here, so what? let's bring it back to the D.C. area a little bit. Yeah. So what, what, how long ago did you live in Rockwell, Maryland? So we moved there in uh, 2017, and oh, only, I only lived there. I only lived there for like a year and a half, so okay. I wasn't there for a long time. But moved to Denver, Colorado, in the end of 2018, and that's where you are now. That's where I am. But the company's based still in. Is like there the offices in Chicago? It's still in Illinois. So um, all of our warehousing and fulfillment happens out of Batavia, Illinois, which is about an hour west of Chicago. Um, we started the businesses there, so yeah, that's why our name tags still say Illinois, but. Our team's all remote. We were remote before the whole COVID deal. I mean, we have employees all over the world, and, you know, we meet a lot on Zoom. So Very cool. How big is the team now? Uh, we have eight, eight got total it. members on the team right now. Very cool. Well, that sounds like you got a heck of a business, and uh, I'm gonna, I'll be a customer of, your, customer of yours here soon. Outstanding. Well, I look forward to it. I want you to, you know, actually go through the speed training process. I want to see what your results are because, you know, like I said, it's fun to hit it further. I'll do that and report back to you.
So our third guest for the podcast here at the, at the PGA show uh, is a gentleman that I met kind of, we'll tell the story, but I met kind of randomly at last year's show, uh, Tyler McDaniel of Tyler Golf Bags. How are you? Good, good. So so last year, well, let, let, let's start. So Tyler Golf Bags, so, so how long have you had Tyler Golf Bags? Like when did you start? Worth, worth, we're just over three years. Just three years. Yeah, first sale actually, I remember it was February 10 of 20. February 10 of 20 was the first time so a month before COVID, cash came like a month before COVID correct kind of correct really did. correct which is crazy yeah and your whole like what Tyler golf bags is I'm gonna try to do it without you know for sure before you I mean you started highly customizable carry bags yes yes for sure right? yeah that was always the basis I yeah so I guess we're going right into that question which is the answer to that <laughs> is basically yeah I saw a need for cool stuff because there is because I myself thought if I'm going to buy it like I'm not alone you know and I started to more and more think as I talked to buddies like wouldn't this be cool what, and then what, my what, buddies would be like yeah like fuck I'd get to her meaning when, you weren't no seeing when you were when you uh, when you were like that idea came from you right. were trying to customize your own golf bag, and too many of the, the golf bag companies out there just couldn't. Hundred percent. Yeah, have that flexibility. Yeah, I remember, especially in high school, me and my buddies would we'd see the bags on the rack, and we'd be like, "Oh, that one." It was all about skinny. That's all we cared about was how it was if it was skinny. That's you all mean, we like, cared like about. Like a bag profile. Yeah, just because the because we saw staff bags and like the yeah, big, yeah, and then even the the stand just, bags they were like too uh, big. like it's cool, but it's still too big. We're like, dude, what's up? Like, why? Why are they not skinny? We you thought skinny, skinny equals good. It was was, was our that because consensus. Like, that's what was trendy, or just you wanted lighter, or like it was just that it, it, look, it just well, looked good. It looked good. We, I mean, we were, you know, seven, six, fifteen, you know, in high school, we were trying to look cool, and sure. we thought that skinny was was what was cool. And then obviously patterns and such is yeah. comes with it. I mean, and gaining the ability to do to put patterns was obviously a breakthrough. Something that, yeah, I love it. I'm really stoked uh, that we're able so to I'm, do. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be jumping around your time. Please, here please, a bit. please. But so, so last year, I would be at this show. Uh, before we'll run into the story at the bar, but like before, <laughs> before that, um, you were very, you were like one of the more recognizable people on the show floor because you're just walking around the show with a bag over each shoulder. Yes. Um, yes. Which I noticed you're doing again this year. We are. <laughs> due, due, to, due to prior success, we are, we are still doing what I've been today calling the two-legged booth. The two-legged booth. Because everyone's yeah, like, exactly. oh, where's your booth? Where's your this? Hey, where's your that? You can't be in a bad spot. You know, they can't give you a bag. No, they can't. You got a mobile booth. You can't complain about getting screwed about your booth location if it's a two-legged one. Or you're lazy. So how did that go last year? And how about, I guess, really well. and, and this year? Like, like. Honestly, t- today was weird. The first two hours, nothing. Okay. Like, I was a ghost. Just I'm not kidding. I was walking around, and I was a ghost. Okay. I couldn't believe it. And then, like, some, I don't know what switched, but something happened, and after that, I'm not kidding. I walked around with a couple of people. They're like, dude, like, everyone's looking at you. I'm like, dude, they're, yeah, because I'm, cause I'm wearing yeah. Sunday bags. Yeah. And then flipped a switch, and, and then everyone just was looking at the bags all of a sudden. But the first two hours was weird, like nothing. I was just yeah. walking around like, like I was Casper the Ghost. But, sure. but then after that, every, and then is, is, I see someone looking, oh, here, here, here you go, you know, business saying, card. Look, I was going to say, looking at the bags is one thing, but I mean, is that, is it, is it, does it translate? I mean, to, to just 
to a relationship at least or like a funny you say that i'm gonna go a quick a quick personal (laughs) knock is i only came with 20 business cards and i spent an hour at fedex right in the building making 100 business cards that i just had made sure but i mean that's what the qr code's for i mean true true but anyways uh turning into sales yeah i think so actually on the way over i ran into these guys at the guys that own loudmouth now they just acquired loudmouth a year ago and they were they were gung-ho they were gung-ho like large, large we're, we're sure. in we're wanting to do large quantity is john daly still on the left i didn't get into that there was because the someone asked me that right in between that and, they, and now john daly used to be a spokesman but, but they they mentioned it as oh this is the blah, 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 he's on since we acquired a year ago yeah. was the, the only terminology i acquired but so um what you're what you're your business kind of is now, and, and really, when I, when I talk about your business, like what I've done on your website, a whole bunch. Appreciate it. Uh, I'm embarrassed to say that I've not placed an order yet, but that's 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 a me issue. We don't. That's, that's not. A we don't issue. pressure. We don't pressure. Yeah. But we just have a system. What's really cool about your website is you can you can go do the full customization of like Certainly. every single piece of the bag. You know the the leather on the bottom, the strap, yeah, yeah. The, the like the the buttholes, and you can do different colors, different preloaded designs, or you can upload. Any design. Any design. So I've been fiddling around a lot of like my Beltway golfer designs, and I'm just too in my head about getting it perfect. That's the only reason I haven't done it yet. But I've got right. like a few like screenshots saved. Hey, so we're gonna get there. Doc. You gotta you gotta wait till it's perfect. I mean, I'm but I'm fully with you. I would I would imagine that's that piece of it is has been part of your success. Right? Oh, it's awesome. And honestly, I think that tool is so amazing and different from anything that exists in golf and honestly i think just our ability to broadcast that to everyone is yeah. what's holding us back right. basically that i think that tool is freaking amazing like yeah. is there is it does that exist elsewhere mckenzie does have one at a larger price point yeah. certainly a larger price point but it exists on some other types it exists of products. it exists certainly like they have it on a golf bag so we're not the only one to do it on a golf bag but for the price point, two hundred dollars, I think it's it's incredible. I yeah, just that's much different. I just feel like yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. I just feel like we need to get the word out. Sure, absolutely. You know, um, very cool. Um, so your yeah, your story. So you, you, your first sale was uh, February twenty twenty. Yep. So we so last year after yep. I I noticed you kind of walking around. Um, it was I think it was the, the second day of the show. It was maybe the, the Wednesday. I was, yep. The guy I was here with, he left early, so oh. I'm by myself. I went to the bar across the street. I couldn't find anywhere. Like, I didn't have a reservation anywhere. I, I didn't have any parties to go to. Just kind of wandered around by myself. And the only like seat at a table or bar stool I could find was that Bahama Breeze. It's <laughs> <laughs> right across the street. This is a legendary story. Uh, I mean, My dad <laughs> honestly mentions this like once a month. I mean, it's probably one of those. He's like, like oh, the guy from Bahama yeah, Breeze? Oh, that guy's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably not going to be that great of a story for the listener, but it, it was, yeah, it, it had to be there. Yeah, it for was, sure, it for was sure. More like, it was just a really fun time. So I sat down at the bar, Bahama Breeze was, was there for a little while, and then you guys sat down, you and your father sat down next to me. Correct. Really, the only reason we started up conversations is I recognize you because of the guy carrying around the bags all day. <laughs> and I think I, I, I may have like even already paid my check, maybe, and like, I think I didn't leave for another two hours because we kept, we kept talking. <laughs> we kept talking. <laughs> and you guys were great. Like, so your dad and he, yeah, and he kept going in. This, this is a podcast. 
Like your your podcast guy. I remember you kept saying that. Uh, that was what it was. I mean, dying. So but yeah. tell you like what, what about your dad and then, yeah, and then your mom certainly. as well. Certainly. Uh, yeah. So basically, grew up with in a large golf background. My my dad's been a pro at Claremont in Oakland, which is a good. It's really cool. Mackenzie Golf, uh, Alistair Mackenzie Golf Course. He's been there twenty upwards of twenty five. No, probably like twenty four years. I would guess. What's your dad's full name? Jay McDaniel, okay. um, and then my mom's been coaching at Ber- uh, Cal Berkeley for about the same amount of time. I want to say twenty-five years. Do I have it right? And correct me if I'm wrong. Did she, did she found? Yes, the, the, started the, the program. Started yeah, the was the first program. first coach at UC Berkeley. And she's still the coach. Yes, that's pretty bad. As of right now, yes. Not that, not that she's leaving, <laughs> but she's close to retiring. I got you. Okay. Uh, uh, that's I, pretty cool. People might be listening in ten years. I mean, <laughs> but anyways, um, yeah. So that, but then. Me being me and very, how do I say this, stubborn kind of, I wanted to, I never wanted to be charity case guy, you know? So I was like, okay, I can still use my knowledge, but not, not get boosted up by what they, you know, are in golf, basically. So I, you know, I, I didn't want to get something, you know, get free stuff, you know? So I'm like, okay, I can still use my golf knowledge because... I play college golf. I'm really into it. We can still use that and sell stuff because I've seen their jobs. They love them. They're good at them, but it's not for me. I've always thought I wanted to sell stuff, and I know golf. And next thing you know, yeah, selling golf goods. And I forget, you played some competitive golf yourself? Yeah, I played college, junior college, and then as well as NAIA. But, yeah, college golf. Yeah. Um, I played it like a one right now. So, I mean, that, that's, I mean, I totally get it. Um, and, and getting getting the business off the ground, totally independent. Uh, Indep- but, that was the word I've sure. I've been reaching for. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but it's cool because your dad is like last year he was kind of cruising on the show, but your dad's got his own stuff. One hundred percent. He's got his own meeting. No, I saw. I know. We we walked in here and he's like, all right, I got a meeting. I'll see you later. Him and his uh, his he's the director of golf. Is and then his assistant or his head pro came and they're like, all right, see you, bro. And then it's funny, I, two times today I actually did run into him. Like, I'm just in a booth, and I'm like, they're talking to the guy, and I'm like, oh, shit, that's them. <laughs> so I'm like hitting him on the shoulder, like, hey, what's up, dude? It's like, oh, shit. Yeah, and then, honestly, I don't recommend it for everyone because I'm kind of a psycho, but the walking around with two bags maneuver today was unbelievable. Post-noon. You would not believe how many business cards I gave out, how many people. And then you walk by some people, oh, that bag, it's so great. You know what I mean? Do you have, because the other, I mean, but it's, it's kind of a double marketing move. Because one, like you said, you're, you're really mobile. It's the, it's the, it's the, Certainly. The, the two, the Certainly. Person, the booth on two feet. But also, you're kind of showing how light it is. Certainly. Like, I'm walking yeah, out there, I'm even thought about two, that. I'm walking out with two bags, not getting tired. Like, how heavy is your bag? 100%. <laughs> no, I'm with that. Yeah, I'm just, I'm, and you know what is funny is, even something that's uh, 2.9 pounds. Is that the number? It's 2.9? Yes. Okay. After a couple hours of carrying something that's 2.9 pounds, it it does. Sure. I never, because I ne- why would you ever do that, you know? Right. And then last year and this year, it was the only time I would ever walk around with something that's 2.9 pounds for hours. Yeah. You know what I mean? For thousands of sure. steps, because I'm just doing up and backs, basically. Yeah. I do that on the golf course. Just got so much crap in my pockets. <laughs> really unorganized. That's how it is. You can 
kind of got to be. But I, I, I love. I, well, another reason I, I think your bags are, are really cool is to that point. Like I, you know, my my bag. I I, I basically only carry. Uh, I'm kind of obsessed with his old King L8 stand bags. Oh, nice. So yeah, oh, the got, L8. Yeah, that's I've got a, like five of them. That bag is. That was that was the only one that was up to my standard yeah. standards. Wait, not the. Was the E2 the more popular one, or is the LE? I'm gonna have to go do more do more research. Is it super skinny or just kind of skinny? Okay, okay, but yeah, but the LE, certainly. Anyways, go yeah. Anyways, and it's actually all different colorways. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a great bag. Yeah, probably what I would use if I didn't. I need this ever happen. I need to update. Certainly, because all like all the ones I found, the only ones I have, and I switch every you know ten or twenty rounds. I either, you know, eBay, Craigslist, yard sales, that kind of thing. For sure, for and sure. So they're not, like, that know, used to I, didn't, be me. I didn't buy them new, and so a lot of them, you know, they're, they're frayed and they're, they're kind of rough shape. Some of them are dirty than others. Uh, but, I, I mean, this is, this is like the new generation now, and I, I love it. Um, I think so. It's just style where style has not yet reached, basically, yeah. you know, to the masses. Like, style, you know, and everything, Skechers, these tees, they're pink. There's pink tees. There's orange this. There's orange that. Like what? The golf. That was the biggest thing. Is the golf bag like hadn't gotten that yet? Basically, yeah. the treatment of oh no 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 we're gonna make this stylish so each person does it differently. You know. So recently, uh, you just got you just did a stand bag. Did so yeah basically. Was that because people like were like I love your bags but I want to get a stand bag or yes. that's just something you want to do? The whole no no hundred percent. It was. And I think it's great. I don't have anything as a stand bag. I mean, I don't think it like throws my mission statement out the window. I'm, I just, a lot of people are like, dude, make a stand bag. Yeah. But in doing so, it's like, you gotta, I was always like, it's gonna be my stand bag, you know? It's not gonna be like, ping's great. It's not gonna be a ping, you know? Like yeah. it has to be so big. Yeah, it's it's basically one of these with this stand. It's right. funny. We, we, got some cool we stuff. figured got it out. A range fine. Yeah, it's got that on there. Yeah, that's stock on everything. It's actually better on this, but all like the magnetic closure. Yeah, that's pretty nice. They don't fall out. But anyways, yeah, it just it's the same layout basically. The pockets are shaped a little differently, but yeah, it's the same layout, and I'm stoked on it. How is it? So you've been going for uh, two and a half, going on three years now. Three years, yeah, almost three years. Um, You're still a solopreneur. Yeah, so a year, year and a half ago, I went to Only Bags. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I've been there for a year and a half. And how's that going? Because I mean, not that I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm sure. not really selling anything other than a couple of hats and, and t-shirts. But I'm, but I don't have a partner. I'm like, I'm solo for sure. So like, and so I identify with you that it's like a lot of times it's it's easier to have. A co-founder, if you will, to bounce ideas off with, to share the stress. Hundred percent. People are. I, a lot of people are telling me I need to do that, but like I'm trying to figure out because I'm not. I don't want to give away equity, sure. so it's kind of a weird pickle I'm in right now yeah. because I do see people that have a a two-person team, and it's like some days it's like, man, like that would be awesome, you know? Yeah. Like off days is tough, man. Like yeah. this, this is like, it's like this, yeah. dude. Being on it. your own and, and selling that's stuff, it's the downs are tough. Yeah. It's like you start thinking like, all right, we're gonna switch, we're gonna do something else. Yeah, this isn't it. And then you have a big, you have a good day, and it's like, and the only person, the only person talking back to you is your inner voice. Hundred percent. Yeah, (laughs) it's just your brain. Hundred percent. It's crazy, man. Yeah. 
It's crazy. I mean, do you have, is your dad a good kind of sounding board for that? Or, or, or do you have somebody else? Or I have. Or is it literally just I a have mirror? good family in San down in San Diego that are a little older that have, that are seasoned in business. He's really good because he's golf yeah. and he buys from people like me. So I've got a lot of good info from him. And then I just talk to people that are like 10 years older than me that yeah. are doing good stuff in business and like just I'm, be spun, be a sponge. Sure. Have you been, are you in, are you, are you pretty much hundred percent still uh, direct to consumer? Have you, have Mostly you got, we're doing more, we're doing more and more bulk orders as much as we can, but it's nice. just tough. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, sure. do you know of any, send yeah, them to me. I get that. I'll take that's as many. You're that's hundred percent. Um, bulk orders and yeah. There's, there is a huge market. Uh, certainly, you know, I, I've mentioned it one of the earlier guys on today's podcast and a lot of different podcasts, it's this, it's this Instagram world of golfers. For sure. And it's For also sure. like there's a million people like kind of like me who like yeah, kind of like created a logo or a design and, and yep, there's, awesome. there's a million of us. And everyone wants, sure. wants to throw it on a shirt and a hat and a golf bag. That's, yes, that is where a lot of success has come is there's a lot of companies out there, small companies starting uh, well, I'm a small company as well. I'm not poo-pooing. Sure. I'm just saying that there's a lot of them out there that people yeah. want to rock their logo, and yeah. they, they, a lot of them, they they really like getting the one-off bag. It's yeah. a, it's an easy sell. Yeah. You know, for two, for the same price, you're gonna buy a, another bag. You get your logo. You get to do this and that. Now they get to walk around with their logo. Oh, what's that? You know. Yeah. How did you find like who's actually making these bags? We are overseas now. We were doing them here, but we are, we are fully overseas. We've had a good uh, relationship in India, and it's it's great. We can send over one-offs, anything, pictures. It's just printed, and have you have had you, no problems? Uh, I have not been there. So everything's done just virtual and remote. Yeah. yeah. WhatsApp. Everything's on WhatsApp. Probably should get off there, huh? No, off the cloud. No, no. WhatsApp's great. Yeah. It, it automatically downloads your. The pictures that are sent. That was the original. That was the original beat. Yeah. I know that Mark Zuckerberg paid a lot of money for it. He did. Yeah. Yeah, he did. That's getting off topic. Well, congratulations, man. Appreciate I, it. I, I was not exaggerating when I when I told you offline before that I've spent like three hours on your on your customization tool. Just People do do that. And I'm we just like, ah, we need to get them almost, to closing. And I'm like almost ready to. I'm just like no. Let me, let me come back to that. Let me oh, that actually causes me physical pain to hear that. Because I know that's happening like crazy. Right. Option fatigue. Like, sure. There's so many options. If there was 10 options, you probably, yeah. you might have bought, you know? Like, if there was 10 options and you can put a logo, it's different than if you can upload your image and all this stuff. Like, yeah, that's option fatigue is, is a real thing. And we're losing sales off of it for sure. Because huh. if there's unlimited options, it's never right. It's never quite right. Right. You know, right. no. You're you, the the frame of mind you're talking about is is not definitely like something unusual. I'm trying to I'm trying to overcome. Yeah. Just tough. So if anyone's got any got any ways to do that, well, but yeah, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I, it's it's pretty cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna get an order. Appreciate it. Appreciate I, it. I, I love your bags, man. I love what you're doing. Appreciate it. Love your vibe. I love your energy. And and we had a, we had, a, we had a good time last year with you and your dad. Hundred percent. We had a lot of laughs. <laughs> all the time. It was, it was kind of a highlight. Yeah. We had an all time. Uh, we, we were telling all kinds of stories. We were. We were uh, it, was, it was. It was good. Good time. So it was tell, great. Your, tell your dad. I, I will. I will. I will. Thank you so much for doing this. Absolutely. Good I'm, to see you. Tom. Appreciate it. Good luck with the rest of the show. Hey, likewise. I don't have a good golf game, but I don't really care. I'm a. I'm a regular dude living in D.C. 
and I want to know about DC-centric golf stuff. If you can tell me something that I don't already know, then that is great for me. I don't want the regular stuff. I want exciting stuff. I want different stuff. I want stuff I can't hear elsewhere. But I want it to be about DC golf. 